0: today to our online church service. It brings great joy into my heart, knowing that you are so hungry for the word of God, that you are so hungry for the Lord, that you are gathering with me today to jump into the word of God and receive the bread of life, God's holy word. So my friends, you're in the right place to enjoy a wonderful steak dinner. Praise God. So pull up a chair, grab your Bibles, meet me today in Acts chapter 20. And we will start in verse 35, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, that this is the day that you have made, and we choose to be glad and to rejoice in you. Father, regardless of external circumstances, regardless of whether it's a rainy day, sunny day, cloudy day, cold day, hot day, or whatever it might be. Father, we give you praise in all circumstances and in all conditions. We give you praise, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that we can gather as a church family together online, and we bless your name. In Jesus' great name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord today. Now, verse 35. The Apostle Paul speaking says, I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, these words that Paul is about to reference are not directly recorded in the four Gospels. They are not revealed in the Gospels that traced his earthly ministry But my friends, it's important to know that many of the things that the Lord said were passed on. In other words, the other apostles heard, the writers heard, and they would expound upon the base foundational doctrine and teaching of the Lord by just giving little nuggets and little insights into some other things that he said as well. Because if everything were were recorded, we would have like a long encyclopedia and all of its gold, but we thank God that we do have the four gospels and all of the rich content that is in them. And as we read through the epistles, the letters to the church, we discover some other very wonderful statements that the Lord made during his earthly ministry. And Paul is giving one of those to us now. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. In other words, this is what the Lord said when he was on the earth, that he said It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, there is an art in receiving. There is a joy in receiving. Uh, Part of the art of receiving is being grateful, showing appreciation, showing gratitude, and being very, very uh, much thankful for what God has done. And of course, as God works oftentimes through people, thanking those people and letting them know that it very it really meant something and it really was special. Praise God. So we can become good receivers, but it is a more blessed position to be in, to be the one who is giving. Now that statement of the Lord, it is more blessed to give than to receive, goes completely one hundred and eighty degrees in an opposite direction of of what the natural mind would think, the mind of a moneymaker, the mind of a person who's only interested in getting wealthy with no other concern for anybody else except for his own personal self, thinks well I don't want to give away because if I give away I'm losing I'm, I'm actually subtracting from my assets but if I'm receiving I'm adding to my assets and that uh, therefore that, that is good because that's reflected on the balance sheet and that makes statistical sense so when they hear things like this with the natural mind and there's a lot of Christians in areas of finances they think with their natural mind but when you think like that you put a ceiling you put a ceiling over your life that you can't break through unless you move into a position that is more blessed, and that is the position, the position of being the giver. Now, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When you think about the word blessed it can be translated as empowered to prosper. That That is a literal translation of that word. So I want you to think of it like that. You are more empowered to prosper. Another way to think of it is through the word productive. You are more empowered to prosper and you are more productive when you give as compared to just receiving. Woo! Now, I think that begins to open it up a little bit to a way that we can start to understand really the grace of giving. It is more blessed. You are in a position where you are more empowered to prosper when you give than a position where you stand to receive. Well, this is because when you sow, you set yourself up for a harvest that will Come in! Woo! Praise God! This is very, very exciting. When I was raised as a young uh, boy in church, growing up in church, and just kind of, you know, looking at the church topography, uh, a few wealthy people in the church—only a few, maybe, maybe two families—that had wealth, and everybody else was either lower middle class. Or poor. And then I would go to school and I would examine my situation growing up in rural Mississippi, where uh, Mississippi at that time was the most impoverished state. Out of all fifty states, if you wanted to find out who was on the bottom, we just look in Mississippi. That's you'd see us. We we were on the bottom, and uh and we we qualified to be on the bottom. We we were the poorest of the poor. Woo hallelujah! And you get out you get out in the country where there's not even paved roads. Uh, you know I, I went back to visit where I grew up, oh maybe about five years ago, and when I went back. You know, not much has changed. There's still a lot of poverty in that rural, small, tiny area where I had grown up. And at the same time, I found out that some of the roads that had been paved were just recently paved. And so uh, it's still the uh, like a drop-off point where you can go and still today see uh, very, very difficult standards of living. But that's where I was raised at and grew up in that type of environment. I, I can remember at school, I can look around, you know, you see all of your classmates and uh, this, we were not the group that's destined for Harvard. Okay. So sitting in these classes, we're, we are not your potential Ivy league type guys. We're We're just trying to get through our course, and it wasn't unusual for quite a few people in my class every year to fail. I mean, fail the whole year. You've got to go back and repeat the whole year over. And this is even with teachers trying to give leniency and a, a extra help. And boy, people, I mean, I had friends failing left and right. And then you go on to the next grade and you look around and you think, where's so and so? And where's, well, they're back in the last class, you know. And then if you fail for a couple of years, then you get so discouraged eventually you fall completely out of the school system but just growing up in this entire uh, this type of environment looking around at my classmates looking around at the school uh, I could identify maybe a few kids that were wealthy but most of us were just poor and uh, I, I began to think that this is how it worked by, by the way it was interesting one of my good friends that I grew up in elementary school he went on to become the mayor of the whole town, and uh, then I believe he got involved in politics and so forth. And I, you know, uh, kind of lost track of him after that. But it's very interesting how God has callings and assignments. But I always thought he would do well. He was one of the ones I guess you would say that that had some wealth. Now for me. What he had was great wealth. Looking back on it, uh, it would just be kind of like very mild upper level middle class. But for me, looking at that, I was just like, wow, whoo, glory, must be nice. Anyhow, so here's the thing. When you see things like that and you don't know what the word reveals concerning your destiny, you begin to form certain mindsets. And here's the mindset that I formed. Tell me if you can identify with this. Here it is. Here's my mindset. God obviously must pre select and determine that some will be wealthy and others, which is the vast majority, is just his will for them to be poor. And that's what I thought because, you know, I'm just kinda like trying to live my life and i find i find myself poor well this must be god's will maybe this is my lot in life and so you begin to view your life as a uh, a deck of cards that god has dealt out and somehow you got a bad hand you got the poverty hand but somebody over there got the you know they that got, got got the ace of diamonds and the ace of spades and the ace of hearts oh they got a good hand but we're over here with all the bad cards and we got as we often say the short end of the stick. And so you begin to develop doctrines or theological persuasions that basically view God as a heavenly gambler who just shuffles the cards of life and out of the vast uh, elements of humanity just deals a few guys a few gals good cards and they're the ones that end up being entrepreneurs or businessmen or having ideas that revolutionize the world they go they go on to make uh, or establish billion dollar corporations but the rest of us are dealt cards like the like the the two or the three or the four you know that have no value uh and you look at your spade card it's got the the two on it, and you think, okay, well, I guess I'll be poor. And so you just think, well, maybe it's God's will for me just to be at this economic strata. Maybe that's God's choice for me, and I just have to live it and endure it and accept it. But I need to tell you today what the Word of God says about these types of things. God does not predetermine Pre-plan or pre-organize your life in a sense where some are pre-selected to be poor and some are pre-selected or predestined to be rich. So let me say it like this: Also, God does not absolutely—he does not decide your financial status, your economic level, or where it is that you want to go. You make that decision well pastor stephen I, hey, I I was born into uh poverty I, I was born uh, into a place where I didn't get any socks until I was in the third grade uh I didn't get a decent meal till I was in junior high i I, I didn't I didn't know i uh, so how can you say I made these choices the environment the in the atmosphere or the even the geographic location and the condition of it in which we are born we can't change that we cannot we cannot Uh, change who our parents are, we cannot change what we are born into, but when you come to know the Lord, and you come to know his will, and remember, his word is his will. His will will never ever in a billion, trillion, million years, it will never contradict his word. His word and his will are harmonized. They are one. You have to understand that even if you're born in these difficult areas, you don't have to stay there. It's not like predetermined that, oh, if you're born in poverty, you need to stay in poverty. It's God's will for you to be there for the rest of your life. Absolutely, positively not. That is not true. My friends, God does not decide your wealth. You do. Woo, praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I never made any decisions. I never signed any papers to join up with debt or lack. But yet, for some reason here, I find myself in this place. Why am I here if I never voluntarily made a decision to be in this place? Why am I here? Everything that you have is accumulation of the decisions that you have made over years and years of choosing to do this, choosing to do that, and making ongoing decisions. So it, it is our decisions that decide our wealth, not God, not God. But by the way, let me just throw this in as a little nugget that you can chew on as a side uh, a rabbit trail that you can venture down. God doesn't decide your health. Woo! Praise the Lord. I, I mean, from one perspective, he has already said what he desires for you. 3 John 2, I I desire that you be in health and that you prosper. That, that, that's the word of God. So that's God's will. But he lets you choose. Even if you don't want to be in health, he'll, he'll let you be in sickness if you want to. Well, I don't want that. Some people don't want that when the pain comes and when the surgeon with the knife comes... But the fact of the matter is we as individuals, we we decide what our health is going to be. And if you smoke, you're making a decision. Uh, You may not have written it out. You may have not uh, made a contract that you signed. But the moment you light up that cigarette and inhale and suck in over 4,000 carcinogens that are cancer-causing agents into your body with every puff, you made a decision to accept and to choose cancer and lung disease. Okay, so you decide your health. Now, if, if you eat junk food over and over and you eat processed food over and over and you saturate your body with high fructose corn syrup and uh, uh, food that's just constantly fried and you clog your arteries up, you can't say, well, God gave, me, God gave me heart disease to teach me a lesson. No, you chose. You chose to go that route. That was decision. And even though it's contrary to God's will for your life, you made that decision. It is your decision's that decide your health. It is your decisions that decide where you spend eternity at. It is your decision that decides your wealth. Woo! Praise the Lord. This is not a message that some want to hear, because they want to blame their failure on the government. It's the government's fart uh, fault, Pastor Stephen. Yes. It's, it's the government's fault because they haven't given me a free cell phone, and they haven't given me a free car. I deserve a free car, Pastor Stephen, for the government to give me a free car. Oh, well, where, where's the government going to get the money? Have you ever noticed how generous the government is at giving and giving and giving? Do you know why they're so generous at giving and giving free money and free things to people? Because it's not their money. Whose money is it? It's the money of the American people. You know, it's very easy to give away something that's not yours. All <laughs> right, You can be so generous when it's somebody else's money. And that's what a lot of our politicians have done, is that for their own personal gain, they have sold out the American people. Now, we've got a good president. Who knows that's absolute stupidity and that you can't run it like that because you will, you will just absolutely eventually wreck the economy. Because if you're giving out all of this free stuff, free health insurance, free everything, who's paying for it? You know, you know, free college education. Mm. But by, by the way, do you know what free college education is if the government gives everybody free college education do you know what that is? Four more years of high school that's all it is because high school's free right? <laughs> Pastor Stephen, I demand a free college education well that's that's called high school just doing high school for another four years. <laughs> Some things if they're not paid for if they're not earned they have no value they have no value. Nevertheless, let's stay on task today the task is that the focus is that we decide our outcome in life. Not God. God has a will. God has a say-so. But God values your freedom, your will, and he will let you make your own decisions. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Stephen... I, I haven't meant to make bad decisions. I, I didn't mean to get myself in financial difficulty or, or have these, uh, these challenges or find myself in a place like this. Uh, why? Why am I here? How did I get here? Let's talk about that just for a moment. I, I, want, to ask a, I want to ask you a question. And think about this. When you grew up in the educational school system, I'm talking primarily to those in America, those in another country. I can't speak for your system of education. I'm not familiar with it. But here in the States, let's say you grew up in elementary school, grade one through six. Okay. All of you adults, stop and think for a moment. How many lessons about money did you learn in elementary school? I'm not talking about counting. 1 to 10. I'm not talking about arithmetic, how to multiply or divide. I'm not talking about, you know, history lesson. How many lessons about money did you learn in elementary school? How many teachers taught you a class on how to get wealthy? Okay. I know what you're thinking. A big fat zero. Oh, let's see if it changes. Now, what about junior high? When you went to junior high, grades 7th and 8th, how many teachers taught a class to you on how to be financially successful in life. No, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't ever teach you that, did they? Oh, wait. We've still got four more years. Surely, in the in the very formative years of the young teenage mind, that will will soon be the adult mind that will soon become the future leaders of the nation. And in those four years, surely there were multiple classes on money taught to you, right? How to invest. How to uh, how to save, ha- how to, uh, you know, take care of money, how to be an op- entrepreneur, how many classes in high school, grades 9, 10, 11, and 12, how many classes were taught to you about money and how to be financially successful in your high school public education system? Sure is quiet on the internet church world today. I know what you're thinking, a big fat Zero. Not one class ever taught to us here. Now, we have to learn about Homer's Odyssey. We have to learn about Beowulf. We have to learn all this baloney, most of it, which we've forgotten, and had no application to actually living or being a success in life. And so we were never taught about money. How 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 do you actually earn money? What does it take besides just going you know, they say just say go just go out and work a job and work hard. But that that all that doesn't always lead to success. And so a few figure it out, but the majority are kept in a place of being in the dark. Now, let me tell you this in case you weren't aware of this. That is done on purpose. The fact that you can go through 12 years of state government-funded education and never have one single class talk to you about money, how to earn it, how to become wealthy, how to become rich, how how to operate and, and manage and steward money. The fact that one class was never, ever taught to you. I'm not talking about a little tip that maybe a teacher gave to you on the side or something like that. I'm talking about a full blown class. Okay. The fact that you never had one single class was because that was done on purpose. It is, it is a unwritten understood mandate by those in power to keep the people, the majority of the people in ignorance, so that they cannot rise up and think for themselves and have certain levels of financial empowerment so they can make positive impact in society. That way, there is just a small ruling class that behind the scenes can pull the levers, call the shots, while everybody else just has to follow along and pretty much follow the pattern that that small group will set. And so, my friends, even in the, even in the church, this has carried over in the church where the words of the prophet Hosea and Hosea 4-6 are very, very true. Let me read that to you very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Praise God. Keep, uh, keep in mind, you are more empowered to prosper when you give than you are over here on a platform of just receiving. And there is a grace. There is an art to receiving. But the platform that you want to stand on in order to be on a greater level of blessing is the platform of giving. Why? That's where you are more blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Literally translated, you are more empowered to prosper when you are a giver. I'll guarantee you that no teacher ever taught you that in school. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah. The sad fact is that very few teachers in the body of Christ taught that. And we really didn't see it begin to get taught and come on the scene until the late sixties. And even then it took, it took uh, well over 15 years just for traction to begin to get made where it began to get some momentum finally. Now, he, uh, Hosea chapter four, verse six. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, these, of course, would be the people of God. So you have to ask yourself this. How many times, if if you were raised in church like I was, how many times in your young life, growing up in church, did you hear messages about money? Whoa. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I heard a message, and the preacher said that money is the root of all evil, and we had better stay away from it, because it's dirty, and it's nasty, and it'll contaminate your soul, and it'll send you down to hell, Ooh. and you just got you got the shivers, Ooh. and everybody, just uh, stay poor, just to stay safe, we we don't want to lose our salvation, we don't want to fall away from God, so we just better stay dirt poor and broke, and, and see what happens is, the reason why there was no teaching for decades in the church on money is because the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge is because the knowledge the knowledge of God concerning his will which is in his word uh, in many ways it was veiled but men of God began to tap into the word of God the Holy Spirit began to reveal to them scriptures and and people begin to see now hold on a minute. We've we've been believing that we're supposed to be poor and broke, but the more we study the Bible, the more we look at the nation of Israel and the Jewish people walking in prosperity, and the more we come over to the New Covenant, and it appears definitely that prosperity passes through the cross and into the New Covenant because it's loaded with prosperity verses. It seems like we're supposed to be blessed, and it seems like the blessing of Abraham, according to the Apostle Paul, is now on those in the church. Woo my goodness hallelujah and so god began to raise up men and women teachers anointed apostles and prophets and teachers in the body of christ to begin to teach 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 the knowledge of god concerning finances and that god wants you on top instead of broke busted and disgusted on the bottom and just, you know, uh, devastated financially. And so God began to raise up people like uh, uh, over the last 15 years, particularly Dave Ramsey, a great teacher in the body of Christ. But, you know, you go back 30 years, you, you, you never heard him. His type of teaching, you—it was very rare—and so even before Dave Ramsey, you had Larry Burkett, and those guys were doing a good job. And before that, you had Kenneth Hagin, just plugging away, saying, "You know, God, God wants you blessed." And he's teaching messages like El Shaddai, the All-Sufficient One, and he, he just teaching classic messages that God's good, that God will take care of you. God's Jehovah Jireh; He'll meet your needs. And yet, the church just slowly slowly catching on, slowly in many ways coming out of the dark ages concerning God's will for us to prosper and the, and the format of how you come into it. Ooh, glory to God! And even Oral Roberts—I mean, they fought him tooth and nails back in the '60s. And his his life was threatened. He had death threats against him, and he was—he was. He was uh, uh, there were attempts upon his life many times. Why? People got so angry, and demons manifested in people so ferociously, simply because he said. Now watch this. Simply because he said, "God is good." Wow, that made church leaders back in the 60s so mad. It made it made people so angry they would say, "No, God's not good. He's mean. He'll he'll put you in a car wreck to teach you a lesson." And I tell you, those guys back then were apostolic in the sense they were plowing through and breaking through in the ground that you and I can now walk on and experience without having those types of headwinds. Now, I can stand up and say God is good. There's no turbulence. People are like, yeah, we got that. Well, look, it was in the Bible all the time. Over and over and over again, especially in the Psalms, God is good, God is good, God is good. But the moment you stand up and declare as a revelation, that's when the devil goes, uh oh, they really believe it, we better bring a little heat. Well, the church persevered and pressed through, and now today, that's pretty much understood in the body of Christ. There are some who are still clueless, but there, there there's always going to be people spiritually speaking where the elevator is really not going to the top. They just want to stay on the on the bottom floor of a 700-story building. That, that's okay, you know. Uh, that's okay. If you you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But if you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're after the things of God, God will begin to reveal to you His Word and the, and the knowledge contained therein. So, my friends, there are things that God wants you to come into concerning your destiny. But I am fully convinced from the Word of God that there are some things you will never step into unless you sow your way continually into it. Praise God. Now, I want to show that to you. That's scriptural. That is Psalm 126. Let's talk about this today. Hallelujah. I want to share some stories with you, some examples. Maybe we could even go behind the, the scenes a little bit because from a prophet's perspective, and I, I function in the prophet's ministry, it's very, hmm, I won't say funny, but it's very interesting how many times God takes me behind the scenes and shows me the way things really are. And uh, and you know, it's it's very interesting because you go behind the scenes, you're like, oh. This thing that was spoken and said to be so grandiose. Oh, that was really just a bunch of hot air. Mm. Pastor Stephen, what are you talking about? Well, maybe we, can, maybe we can dig into a few of my little stories today. I delight. I delight in the grace of God. The more humble you are, the more of the enlifting, the uplifting power of God that you will experience in your life oh praise God today and forever Psalm 126 verse 1 when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion Zion who is Zion Zion is always a spiritual reference to the people of God okay so this would be the body of Christ God's God's uh, God's people now we know also that There is the seed of Abraham, but Zion also has that spiritual reference, and so I want to talk about the church. So that's you, okay? When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. So there was a remnant that was brought back out of captivity from Babylon, brought back to the promised land, and they came back, and it's just like a dream. They're like, oh, we never thought We would be back to where we were supposed to be. We never thought we would get back in the will of God. We had a hope. We had a faith. But it was just a distance. It was like a distant dream. But now we're here. Okay. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. And look, look, look. There is a returning of the glory. There is a manifestation of the word in your life. There is a fullness of God's destiny Released and blossoming in your life that you must experience and you must, you must do all that you can in, in your power and in the understanding of the knowledge that you have. You must operate on all cylinders using every inch of horsepower, every bit of strength that God has given you to go into your promised land. So, look, it says, when this captivity was turned, we were like those who dream. You are never going to get into the literal manifestation of your dreams realized without continually sowing. I I just, I I know some of you are smart. I know some of you have high IQs. By the way, the the people that are the wealthiest and make the money, the most money, is consistent across the board. Do not have high IQs. Okay, so uh, the the ones that are like the genius type of people, you'll find them in the universities. If you want to look for billionaires, multimillionaires, you're not going to look, you're not going to find these guys that are over here doing, you know, uh, extreme quantum physics formulas. Okay, so you don't, you don't need to have an IQ of 180 in order to be successful in life. So just relax, everything is okay. We were like those who dream. You're never going to come into the manifestation of your dream without sowing your way into it. I know, as I was saying, people, there's some There's some Christians, they're, they're smart. Some people, you know, I think they think they're a little too smart. And they think, I'm going to get there because I can get it figured out. Just watch me. Well, I, we'll watch, and you might do pretty good. But you will never go all the way into that land and fully possess your land without sowing. It absolutely cannot be done. Woo. Why? Because if you're not on that platform of being a giver, you're not on the platform of the one who is empowered to prosper and, and able to come into God's very best for your life. This is just the format that God works off of. It's not by might. It's not by power. It is by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Spirit reveals the principles and the protocol of God of how to come into God. A life that is beyond what you could literally ask, imagine, or think. And that is the dream realm. That is the the world that you daydream of. That's what you see when you hear a song that inspires you. You see yourself living a life of what you dream it to be. We're talking about today how to come into that. And so when they came there, it says, then our mouth was filled with laughter God wants to make you laugh so hilariously strong and you laugh and you laugh and the, and the note of your laugh is it actually happened God did it and and this is the place where it's happened where it's it's manifested and you say there it is that's where God wants to take you and our tongue was singing then they said among the nations the Lord has done great things for them How about the pagans, the heathens? By the way, if a person's not in Christ, if you're not born again, and you're not washed with the blood of Jesus, and you are what would be called a Gentile, that's also called by the Apostle Paul as a pagan or a heathen. Pastor Stephen, I'm not sure why those sinners do what they do, because sinners are pagans and heathens outside of relationship with God. And there is no other way to God the Father except through Jesus Christ the Son. There's no other back door. There's no other plan B. There's no other route. He is the only way to God. He is the only one that shed his blood, send this blood for the sacrificial atonement for humanity. Nobody else ever has. Nobody else ever can or could. He is the only way to God that is Jesus Christ, the anointed one of Nazareth. Now... They said the Lord has done great things for them. So this is an external testimony of even unbelievers acknowledging of what God has done in your life. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Now, verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You sow your way in to your dream world. You sow your way into your desired life that you want to live. And you will never reach the full destination of God's plan for your life without being on that platform of a giver as compared to being on the platform only of a receiver. Why? Because the giving platform is more blessed. Now, the other one's blessed, but this one is more blessed. And that can be translated as empowered to prosper more. Mm -mm -mm. You, You do have to receive. That's part of it. But the main platform, the main podium that you want to stand on is not the bronze level, but the gold level. Praise God. Why? That's a higher platform. Praise God. You have to sow your way into it. And sometimes it's tiny seeds. It's tiny seeds. Bearing seed for sowing. Literally translated in the Hebrew, carrying a bag of seed and just continually sowing. You just you, you turn it into a sewing machine. You're sowing. You're giving. You're sowing. You're giving. And the thing is, is that sometimes you look at your seeds and you think, uh, why is there a bitterness to it? I'll tell you why. It's not your harvest. It's not your harvest. Well, how can I tell the difference between what is my seed and what is my harvest? It's easy. You can, you can, you can prove it today. Go get an apple. Okay. Go to the grocery store. Get an apple. If you have one at the house, you grab one right now. Cut it open. Cut it right down the middle. Okay. Separate the apple in half. And take a few of the seeds right now. Take a few of those seeds right now and eat them. Does the seed taste like the apple? No. What does the seed taste like? It tastes bitter. If you need double verification, get an orange. Do the same thing with an orange. Peel it real quick. Open it up. Eat a piece of the orange. Okay. Okay, we're good to go. That tastes good. And then eat a couple of seeds just by by themselves. What do the seeds taste like? It, It tastes bitter. This is the weeping aspect to your seed sowing. This is how you know it's your seed, not your harvest. Why? There's a bitterness to the seeds. And if you eat your seed, it will taste bitter. If you consume your seed on your own needs, there will be a bitterness to it. Just like there's a difference between eating the apple, which is harvest, and eating the seed, which is just to be sown so you can have more apples. The seed is bitter. You're not supposed to consume it. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to sow it. And that's why sometimes while you're sowing, you're sowing in tears. Why? There's there's a bitterness in sowing because you think, this is all I have. Well, I wish I had more, but you don't. You look at it, and it, and it could be something in some ways that's it's pretty good, but it's still just a drop in the bucket of what your dream is. It's it, it could even have a little weight to it where you think, well, I I could have a little bit of fun with it, but oh, it's it's nothing compared to what I actually want to step into it. So what is it? It's your seed. Why? There's a bitterness to it. There's a bitterness to it <laughs> and you know what I know what this is like I know some of you can identify with what I'm saying I I saved one time for a year a whole year for a seed and I I, 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 I saved and I saved and it got it got into the thousands and I thought this is pretty good but why why although it feels kind of good and it's quite large why why am I so frustrated with it? Why? Why, when I hold it in my hand, does it seem like there's a bitterness to it? And I heard the Lord speak to me. I, I, I mean, when, when I heard Him speak, I, I'm talking about you. You literally turn around. This, the, look, who said that? I, I thought. I mean, it was almost like somebody said it from behind the couch. And I heard the Lord speak to me. There was a Holy Spirit. I heard the voice of God. To me, it sounded audibly. I knew it was spiritual, but I picked it up with my spirit, soul, and body. And the voice of God spoke to me, saying, What you hold in your hand is not your harvest. It's your seed. Whoa. I thought, and I I just, I... You know, it's not. It's not like I like to. I wanted to shout, "Oh, hallelujah!" I've heard from God. I didn't want to shout, "Hallelujah." I just. I almost felt like crying. I'm like God. That's that's why, I feel frustrated. That's why I feel almost like crying because I saved for a year, and this is all I have now. At the same time, this is pretty good. This was in the thousands of dollars, but at the same time, I looked at it. I said. It's nothing compared with what I need. And the spirit of God said, "Sow it, he said, "Sow it, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. By the way, if you get a word from the Lord, I'm, I'm talking about when you, you hear God talk to you and you, you can't make that happen. You can't fabricate that. But when you hear God talk to you, do it. If you don't do it, if you don't do it and you don't do it immediately, um, uh, it, it's not God's fault. If you starve later on. It's not God's fault if you never get off the launch pad later on. It's it's on you because God can't bless disobedience. He, he loves you. He'll try to do the best he can for you, but he cannot bless disobedience. Okay, so he, he has to work with your obedience. I took that seed, and I sowed it. Now, I, I sowed it in the sense of like, Lord, I worship you. But at the same time in my heart, I felt like crying. I felt like God I saved for a year, and this this at that time was the largest seed I'd ever sown in my life, but i I felt like God it's so frustrating, but my friends I sowed it I sowed it, and now is a time where the harvest is coming in off of that seed in just amazing ways of how God is blessing my life I'm so glad I sowed it I actually sowed it a couple of years back, so uh when you sow something like that it takes time for it to go into the soil then the soil does its part then then it begins to break up out of the ground begins to grow and it begins to turn into something that can become very very powerful that's what God's doing now but my friends the fact is is that there can be weeping in your sowing and I I remember I sowed it I just felt I, I mean when I let go of it I just felt like wow you know it wasn't a lot but it was a pretty good chunk. And I could, have, I could have done something with it that would have given a nice, how could I say, little temporary boost to the ministry. Or, you know, I could have used that. I, I could have used it for my own life or something like that. But I put it all into the ministry. And I just thought, Lord, there it goes. It's gone. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth, 100% the truth. I didn't feel like shouting hallelujah. I actually felt like crying. I felt like, God wow, all of that, a year of gathering that for a whole year, and with one stroke, boom, it's gone, placed it into the hands of a great man of God, and, and just, as as you know, it's like a farmer, if, that, if he plants that seed, it, once it leaves his hand and goes into the ground, it's gone, and so I just planted it, and I just said, Lord, it's in your hands, my friends, this is the word of God. this is operating in the word of God. there can be bitterness in sowing. Those who sow in tears shall reap, not maybe you will no shall reap. how enjoy he who continually see there's the continuation. you must sow and sow that that by the way, that wasn't the only time I've sowed. That wasn't the only time I drained the account. I have drained the account multiple times of sowing seed in my own life. I'm telling you, there have been times in my own life, just to let you know, I'm, we're kind of going behind the scenes a little bit with uh, with your pastor. There have been times I have drained uh, the personal account of, that me and my wife have of our savings. I have completely depleted it and emptied it and sowed it as a seed into the work of God. And I'm, I'm not talking about riding on fumes. I'm talking about riding on zero. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not just saying, well, I, I I drained that one, but I got another big one over here. No, absolute, totally empty it. And sow the whole thing, all of it into the work of God. <laughs> look I'm trying to tell you as a child of God you don't need to do bizarre weird things to get a thrill just give and your days of doing bungee jumping will be over with this is a thousand times more exciting okay uh, you you don't need to jump out of airplanes at 40,000 feet and hope that the parachute opens no no just be a giver be a giver and flow with the spirit of God flow with the spirit of God is one of the most exciting things we're not talking about recklessness. Because when I give like that, my wife and I are always in unity. But my friends, you must be willing to work with the Lord and work with the Holy Spirit, because many times there is the there is the weeping. You sow in tears, you sow in tears, and you thank God that was the very, very best I had. Praise the Lord. But you have to be careful. I've heard story after story after story of people that were prospering and flourishing, and they just somehow thought it's going to go on forever like that, and prophets will warn them. So now you have the ability to sow now, and they don't do it. They get they, they maybe uh, do their tithe, but they never drop a big one on the Lord. They never say, Lord, here's something sacrificial that shows I'm so appreciative of what you've done, and it, although you've done a lot, I believe it's just the beginning of something great, and they never do that. And then suddenly that prosperity uh, just begins to dry up, and they're left wondering. I wonder why. Praise God! You know, um, uh, uh, a prophet, Ruckins McKinley, a good a good man, good man of God, true prophet. He gave a word to a a, a man that was a officer in the navy, and he said, "You've got." You've got a large savings, and God says that you're supposed to sow a very powerful seed because the enemy is going to try to bring an attack against your life, and you need to sow a mighty seed, and God will rebuke the enemy, and God will bless you abundantly. I'm beginning to smell uh, flowers right now. I'm beginning... What is that flower? I'm beginning to smell lilies, uh, very beautiful lilies, the fragrance of lilies, and it's the fragrance of sacrifice. That is coming forth right now. I can smell it here in the in my office studio. Please be very uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what God is doing, moving upon your heart as I'm sharing these stories. And, and And the prophet said, "You must sow a great seed. It is for your protection, and it is, it is for a greater level of prosperity that God wants to take you into." So he delivered the word, and you know went on about his ministry and so forth. Saw that guy. Saw that guy two weeks later. And the guy had such a downcast face that the prophet said, what's wrong? He goes, oh, he said, my entire life savings has been wiped out. And, and the prophet said, did you sow the seed like I told you to do? He goes, no, I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And see, now he can't. Now he can't. Now he can't. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. My friends, the purpose of your prosperity is so that you can be a blessing. Hallelujah. God told Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Don't consume it all on yourself. Hallelujah. You don't have to have an angel hit you over the head to give. Praise God. You can just, you can give because you have a generous heart because you have a generous heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm. I was in a meeting one time, and a, a, a minister a minister, stood up and said, I have, invested in, I have invested a large amount of money into a certain investment, and I have been assured that it was going to be uh, this tremendous return. And he was so excited, I thought, ooh, he, you shouldn't tell. You shouldn't tell everybody that. Uh, even if it's wonderful, there's just some things you kind of, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Or some things keep it off the radar. You know, it's kind of like, don't do that until it's it's all said and done, until there's manifestation. But he went out there and told the whole church, I invested in this one thing. He didn't tell people what it was. But he said, I have been told by my advisor that it's going to be multiplied this time this many times over. And I tell you what, God's blessing us. And I thought that what he said and the way he said it was very, very arrogant. And he said that he put $50,000 down... By the way, you'll never know who this was because I've been in so many churches all over the world that you'll never find out. I, will, I, I never reveal things about people. God, God allows me to see many things, and I, I don't share names publicly ever because I, I pray for people and I cover people, but he does allow me to see things, so I, I share just a little to get you a little behind the scenes to let you know sometimes how things work, and it's very, very important to be humble and to stay generous. Praise God. And so I, I actually was going to another state to minister, and when I was ministering in this other state, I had a businessman come to me in private, and he said, "He said, uh, Pastor Stephen, can we talk?" I said, "Yes." He said, "I want to confess my sins to somebody, and I, I I feel that if I share this with you in confidence, that you will pray for me, and God will have mercy on me, and and help me in this dilemma that I'm that I'm in." I said, "Well, I." I I'll keep it confidential. So let, let's let's talk. What's going on? He said, Pastor Stephen, I have, I have defrauded and I have conned and I have deceived a whole group of ministers into an investment that is com- completely fraudulent. And he said, these are some of the ministers that invested into it and I completely duped them. And he named their names to me. And he said, I lied to every single one of them. They have poured money into this investment, and they have no idea that I have taken all of their money and I have spent it. There's zero. And I have lied to them, and I have told all of them that your your investment is going to be multiplied back to you, and I've whooped it up, and I've hooped it up, and it's all lies. They don't know they have nothing. All of their money is gone. And he said, oh, Pastor Stephen, pray for me. He said, I am in tremendous grief for what I have done. Very, very interesting. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What if that minister, instead of investing $50,000 so that he can gain wealth, And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have increase and experience increase. But what if he would have taken that and sowed it instead as a seed into the work of the Lord? Because let me tell you this. With God, you're going to get a return. 30, 60, 100 fold. And I'm not saying that's numerical. I'm saying that's good, better, best. That's bronze, silver, gold standard. Think of it like that. Hundredfold being God's very maximum return. And by the way, it can be literally over 100-fold literal numerical value. Usually it's not numerical. Usually it's, it's more good, better, best. But I, I just wanted to share that. What if he had done that? He would have been guaranteed a harvest. But some people, they think they're too smart. They don't need to work God's system. They're going to go invest. They're going to figure it out themselves. But let me tell you this. There's some smart people out there. There are some brilliant minds out there. There, 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 are, there are men that are so focused on making money that they have they have computers that are literally running 100 million dollar plus software. And the software is designed to track the markets and the know where their markets are going to go before they even get there. And so you got Christians over here that are trying to play the stock market and they've got they've got a nine dollar software program that tells them what stocks to pick. And they think I'm gonna I'm gonna get rich in stocks. Good luck. You and your $9 software program up against the the most brilliant minds in the world who train and do nothing but focus on this day and night with phenomenal amounts of funding, running the most uh elite computers that the software alone costs over $100 million, and you're up against that. Good luck. I hope your $9 software really helps. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to need a lot of help. See, some people, they're too smart. They're too strong. So let me just tell what you can do. If you want to work it the Lord's way, you can reach your destiny. If you want to be in a system that is safe and stable and secure, be a giver. Okay, be a giver. Get on the giving platform. There may be times when you even have to sow in in tears, and you're sowing, and you're thinking, dear Lord, I've been sowing uh, uh over and over, and, and God, this is all I have. Yes, because you're on the way somewhere. Where are you on the way to? You're on the way to a place where God will break forth in your life. Things will explode so fast and so powerfully by the wisdom and by the hand of God that you will be stunned and all you can do is just laugh and think oh my God you'll laugh and you'll cry and joy and you'll sing songs and you'll think oh it works it works hallelujah praise the Lord what if that pastor what if he would have sowed that fifty thousand dollar seed but he thought he was smart he's going to come over here and he's going to invest and to make a lot of money he lost all of it he lost all of it. You wouldn't believe how many stories I've heard like that over and over and over. I, I'm telling I could I could sit here for hours and tell you stories of people that got involved in this, got involved in that, and lost huge amounts of money. And big names, too. Big names. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever give names. But my friends, let me tell you what works so, so. So, hallelujah. You're working with God, and God's going to give you a return. Woo. Those who sow in tears shall reap. Shall reap. How? In joy. Mm. I, I, I don't know if you if you invest in Microsoft, if you're going to make any money doing that. I don't know if you invest in Apple, you're going to make any money doing that. The Stocks could go down. I don't know. I don't know if you invest in real estate, if it's going to pan out. Who knows? Who knows? But I know one thing that you get over here and you work God's system and then God can give you a word. And if God says, buy that piece of land, now you're working on a much higher platform. If God says, buy those shares, then you're working on a much higher platform because now, now there is covenant relationship going on and the, the fruits, the harvest coming out of your sowing mm, begin to come back in a very, very powerful way. This, my friends, is stable, stable, rock-solid security hallelujah praise God you know I was talking to a, a well-known apostle one time he and I were just sitting down and we were talking about about the subject of finances and miracle giving miracle seeds miracle offerings coming out of that and also just about even sowing in difficult times and he told me a funny story he said, "He said when I first came to America to minister, he, he lives in a different country. He said, when I first came to America to minister, there was a woman minister that invited me to speak in a very large conference that she was hosting, and I was the main speaker. And so on the last night of the meeting, after I spoke that final night, I think he spoke for three nights, uh, after I finished speaking, he said that she came up, the great woman of God. The hostess of the conference, the lady that uh, that oversaw a very large ministry, she came up and said, We are now going to receive an offering for this dear brother who has come from such a long distance and has blessed us. We're going to receive a great offering for him because he's doing a great work in the Lord. Okay. She begins to speak to the people about the offering and He's sitting on the front row he's, he's finished preaching he's sitting on the front row and he said he said brother Stephen she went on and on with the offering for so long and the pull was so intense he said it made me uncomfortable he said it it took her over 45 minutes to take the offering and she was pleading. She was preaching, she was asking, she was begging. She was she was going to get an offering and she wasn't taking no for an answer and he said it really made me feel uncomfortable. I'd never been in an environment like that. But he told me later that when he received the offering and saw the amount, I mean it was it was phenomenal. It was through the roof. It was it was a it was a game changer. For his ministry, it took him from a level of winning hundreds to Christ to literally winning thousands to Christ Jesus and all those people, they're going to be in heaven because of that offering that that woman pulled for his ministry. But he said, this is what she told me afterwards when they went back and she had raised the offering and she went back in the back. And the first thing she said, she said, she said, oh, my dear brother, she said, she said, I'm sorry. If that was uncomfortable for you, the way that I took that offering. But she said the Holy Spirit had me do it because the Holy Spirit kept telling me they've got the money. They just won't give it. Look, look, why won't the people of God give? Because they think they're just giving it away. They think they're just giving it away they don't understand from God's perspective if you if you do it the right way you're not get, you're not just throwing stuff away you're th- you're putting seed in the ground but most people don't have a concept of that so when they hear there's an offering they think oh I'm going to have something extracted from me no you're not having something taken from you you're sowing a seed oh praise the Lord and she she told this brother she said the Holy Spirit told me that the people have it. They just won't give it because they're struggling with their understanding of what of what a seed is. So many of them don't know about it. But she said the Lord needs that provision for his work. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so there, there can be literally sowing in tears. Praise God. But they'll become a reaping in joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I was in a meeting one time where my spiritual fa- father... Start at the church service. There's about four thousand people in the meeting. He starts the church service, uh, receives the normal tithes and offerings, and preaches for about ten minutes, and stops and says, "Oh, uh, uh, apostle so and so is here from the nation, uh, a different country. Let's receive an offering from him. He's doing such a good work overseas." Okay, that was the second offering. He preached about another fifteen minutes, and he stopped and was impressed by the Lord to receive another offering for another work of the Lord that was going on. In one meeting, he took up five offerings, and the whole thing was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what was wild is that me and Kelly, we just happened to have just enough money that day to give in all five offerings. I mean, normally you might not even have enough smaller bills, but we had okay. We I guess we had a bunch of twenties or tens or whatever that day. But every offering, okay, let's give a good one for that one. Oh, here's another one, let's give a good one for that. One. But that happened for thousands of people thousands of people and nobody was complaining nobody was uh uh upset about it people are just like this is a god, incredible god's in this hallelujah I, I i'm telling you i i god my friends god wants to take you to a place that's beyond your wildest dreams you're never going to get into the manifestation of your destiny without sowing your way into it I had lunch with a pastor uh, one day. Uh, this was about maybe uh, 12 years ago. He, he pastored a very large church in Southern California, and he and I are having lunch. And he said, oh, he said, he said, Stephen, I wish you'd have been in my church service this last uh, this last Wednesday night. I said, what happened? And, and he had that Wednesday night, he had about, maybe about 800 people in the meeting. He said, um, he said, the most unusual spirit of giving is, came over us that night and I just released the people. I said, do whatever the Lord leads you to do. And he said, he said, in that meeting people got their houses paid off. He said one woman that had come to California from Australia to go to Bible college, but didn't even have money to pay for the tuition, but was just struggling to try to find a place to stay. That night, somebody gave her a brand new Jaguar. Ooh. I mean, paid off. We're, we're talking like an $85,000 car. <laughs> I mean, he said it was one of the craziest meetings he's ever seen in his life. And it's like everybody left the meeting and nobody's depleted. Somehow everybody's just like incredibly blessed. I mean, it, but everybody's giving. Everybody's giving, yet everybody's receiving. I mean, unexplainable. Just absolutely. Incredible, I, I'm telling you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and when there's that liberty, there will not be Mister Scrooge stingily holding back and saying, "No, you can't." No, no. When there is liberty and your heart's open to God, there. If you cannot do what God tells you to do, then the, then Jesus is not. Fully, your Lord, He may be your Savior, and you can go to heaven through His shed blood and by grace. But my friends, if you want to know, if you want to know Him as Lord, He must be Lord over every nickel and penny and dime that you have, and if He's not. You can say, Jesus, I love you as my savior, but I don't really know if I can embrace you fully as my Lord because I'm not willing to do that if you actually were to ask me to do that. By the way, don't be concerned about it. He probably won't. <laughs> oh, if, if that, if you are in that category and you, and you feel like that, just relax. Don't, don't worry. He's a, he's, he's, He's he's very kind. He knows everybody's on different levels, but 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 by the way, don't expect to go into your full destiny either. Okay? If you really want to get serious about that, listen to this message over again listen to the cd watch the message over again but if you're not serious about it you just content to go to heaven you don't really care if the world goes to hell as long as you make it okay all right enjoy your life but i i'm trying to talk to those that really want to touch the abrahamic blessing and paul said in galatians chapter 3 that the blessing of abraham has now come on us in christ what is that blessing it is touching and affecting nations of the earth, God said that through Abraham all nations of the earth shall be blessed and if we can't touch nations we are not walking in the fullness of our destiny and you will never touch it when you're Scrooge you will never touch it when you have a miser spirit you will never touch it until you learn to yield fully to the spirit of God in the area of liberal generous giving. Woo, hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you today. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Mm, mm, mm. Acts chapter 10. Very, very quickly. I'm just touching a few highlights about this area of just being fully yielded to the Lord. I'm talking about putty in the Lord's hands. I'm talking about you being like a piece of wax that's just real close to the heat. And so you're so pliable. You could, like a person could just reach down and take that wax and mold it into anything they want to because it's so warm and it's so moldable. If your heart's not like that, you need a spirit of revival and the spirit of the Lord to come into your heart and set you free from anything that would make you caustic and cold and all clammed up. Oh, my friends, you need to get happy in the Lord. Praise God. You need to get happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord today. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, verse 4, he has an angelic visitation. This is what the angel said. Your prayers... And your alms or your giving had come up for a memorial before God, you know, you can pray for the rest of your life. You can pray five hours a day for the rest of your life. But if if you're not in a knowledge of giving. If you don't understand that principle of God, the way he operates through seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, if you don't incorporate that into your life, you can pray. You can pray five hours, seven hours, 10 hours a day, but you will not touch destiny until you incorporate seed sowing into that. So the angel said your prayers and your alms, that's the giving. Okay, your prayers and your giving have come up for memorial before God. You, you can't have these epic divine moments, and, and but these are watershed moments. These are the type of things that are history-making moments. They are the times where you look in your life and you say, I'm so glad I did the right thing and I did it continually. Because of that, I now stand in the place where God has put a blessing on my life in such an undeniable way that what I have done not only impacts me, in my life but generations following after me will now be a recipient of the legacy that I have laid down by the grace of God through the acts of giving if it's just prayer you can do a lot but if you don't put that giving in there you will not move into the financial empowerment that God wants you to experience it and you can't get there without sowing your way into it Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My friends, the seeds that you sow, it's not the numerical value. It's it's more of it's the content of what it is in light of where you're at and what you have. The the woman there at the temple that the Lord was watching, the, the impoverished poor woman, she gave two mites. That's, that's like a penny, okay? It's like a half cent. Combine it together, two of them, it's like one penny. That's all she had. That's all she had. And it got her in the Bible. It got her in the Word of God. So it's not the, and Jesus said, she's given more than all of the other big givers because she gave everything. She gave everything. So it's not about the amount. There have been times I gave amounts that numerically, uh, you know, I'm just like, hey, this is not like, compared to stories and testimonies you hear, this is not like I just gave a million dollars. Okay, this is not like th- this is something where, you, you know, could be, be a super-duper cool testimony. But but for me personally, though, for where I was at, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's like I gave everything I had. But that's what I'm talking about. It's not the numerical value. It's the weightiness com- uh, in context to where you're at at that moment and how you're giving how you're giving that's why Paul when he talked about the Macedonians he said he said they he literally said they gave their way out of poverty that they were giving in just an unbelievable way while they were in poverty and they gave so much they gave themselves they literally gave themselves they sowed themselves out of poverty <laughs> Woo! and that's when you'll find out if it, when it really works or not Pastor Stephen you're preaching a western gospel no I'm preaching the B-I-B-L-E everything I'm talking about we're talking is, is all in the scriptures all in the word this is not an American gospel this works anywhere any place any time And you're seeing this. You're seeing this all over the world being validated as great men and women of God. From nations all around the world have taken hold of this word and said, and they've discovered God's a great God. God will bless us when we operate by his principles of sowing and reaping. Even if we have to sow it in tears, we will have those moments when we will reap harvest. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My friends, Is the Holy Spirit moving upon your heart to sow something of sacrificial significance if it doesn't move you it won't move God no it, it, it won't and I, there's a I, look look I've heard a lot I, I'm not a, I'm not a rookie in the ministry I, I'm not like the new kid on the block by any means I, I've been around I've had people come to me I've had people come to me I can I give you story after story I could sit down for hours and tell you story after story of you know what of silliness I, I had a man come to me one time he and his wife, heads down, very discouraged. Look, look, very concerned. And you, you would have thought they'd be financially destitute or something like that. Pastor Stephen, we're coming to you. We need you to pray for us. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. I said, dear brother, what, what's wrong? Well, Pastor Stephen, you know we have our house paid off. We have our cars paid off. Our land's paid off. Everything we have is paid off. But Pastor Stephen, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. Oh, you do? What's what's wrong? I, I thought maybe, oh, well, maybe they have everything paid off, but they've run out of money or something like that. Pastor Stephen, we, um, we need you to pray for us. We're, we're down to our last $500,000. We only have $500,000 cash in the bank. And we're just so concerned because that's all the money we have. All we have is $500,000 cash in the bank. We, we just need prayer, Pastor Steve, and we're just so poor. You wouldn't believe how many prayers I've had like that. Okay, so they're asking me to pray for them, <laughs> and I've got ten dollars in the bank. They don't know that; it's none of their business. I'm not telling them that. I've got ten dollars in the bank, and I'm full of faith. I'm totally happy. I have no fear. I'm not worried about the the economic uh, cycles or anything like that. I'm just I'm just I'm just going. I'm just I'm going through every every barrier, just enjoying life. Still still eating good. Still uh, traveling. Still having a good time. And I've got ten dollars in the bank, and they're over here with five hundred thousand dollars cash in the bank beautiful million dollar home paid off vehicles paid off and they're troubled Mm, stressed out worried look those are the kind of people those are the kind of people they've never done anything significant in the sense of drop a big one for the lord they've never done it and you know what they might go through their entire life And never do it. And you know what? That's a personal choice. That is a personal choice that people make. But you know what? The moment God begins to move in your life, you've never experienced revival if he hasn't touched your heart concerning your money. If he he doesn't have your money, if he doesn't have your wallet, and if he doesn't have that secret account you've got over there you've never had revival. I, I don't care if you shout, roll on the floor. I don't care if you talk in tongues or I don't care if you have 10 de- demons come out of you. If he doesn't have your pocketbook and he doesn't have that little savings or giant savings, if you got stashed over there that nobody can touch, not even your spouse, then you haven't had revival, my friend. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to give it either, but if you're not willing You've you've never experienced a revival in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are we having such a fun, (laughs) straight talk today? Hallelujah. See, somebody's getting set free. Somebody's getting set free. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, how do I break an old miser spirit off of me? Give. Give. Praise the Lord. And if you've never sown a seed where you feel it, I mean, you feel it. I mean you you give something you you just feel it uh you you'll never know a miracle harvest you'll never know a miracle offering because if your seed doesn't move you it'll never move God and remember it's not the numerical value because you you could give a hundred thousand dollars, but yet you got 50 million in the bank you, you you and God both know that's just a little tip you and God both know the preacher might not know it because for him that might seem big but you you and God both know you just gave a peanut. You don't even miss that. You you don't even miss it. Praise the Lord. See, it's not the numerical value. It's the quality of the seed in relation to where you're at. Do you need a miracle? Are you watching me today and you need a financial miracle? Your decisions decide your wealth. Your decision to sow a powerful seed or to eat your seed And then try to figure out, I wonder why. I wonder why I'm not getting the breakthrough. Praise the Lord. I'm talking to some people today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The decision is yours. God does not determine your financial picture. You do. God wants you to prosper, but he will not force you to prosper. You can make the choice to have a generous heart. You can make the choice to be a giver, to be a giver, which is a more blessed position than that of a receiver. Oh, you'll be receiving all right, but it's the giver that positions themselves into continual harvest through continual sowing of seed. Somebody, you're watching me right now, and what you hold in your hand, what you have in your account is very frustrating because it's, it's, it's a nice amount of, But it's it's nothing compared to where you want to go. Look, it's it's not your harvest; it's your seed. It's your seed, Pastor Stephen. You're not going to get my money. I don't want your money. If 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 that's if that's an attitude that you feel in your heart, make sure that if you do do give, that you don't give it to this ministry. Okay? Because I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm basically just trying to teach you. Okay? You you know where the Lord would have you sow. Praise God. We'll receive tithes and offerings in just a moment. Hallelujah. Praise God. I I know a minister friend that he told me, he said he received a letter in the mail. He opened up the letter. He opened up the envelope. There in the letter was a very large check. And he read, he read the letter. And this is what the letter said. The letter said, sir, I'm not really concerned about your ministry. I'm not even really concerned about what you do with this money. I know you'll cash the check and you'll use it for your ministry. All I'm concerned about is that when I sow this to you, I get a big return. That's all that matters to me. That's all that matters to me. And so my friend put the check back in the envelope with the letter and wrote a little note that said, your heart's not right in your giving and you you really need to find somewhere else to give. Okay, so my friends, this is all about having a right heart before the Lord, about being generous, about being generous. Can you expect a return? Yes, that's biblical. But it's, it's first of all, being, being generous, being willing to sow in in an element sometimes where you sow almost like, almost like weeping, maybe you even do literally cry like, God, that was my very best Lord. That was the very best I could do. And so you you give that, but you'll get the harvest in joy. But you also need to sow with generosity, with a kind spirit. You need to be a person of prayer, like Cornelius, who received an angel from God because God noticed his prayers and his giving. His prayers and his giving. If you need a miracle, a financial miracle in your life, Pastor Stephen, what's your counsel? Sow a miracle seed. So something that moves you, Sow something that moves you. I'm, I'm talking about what you can feel it when it leaves your account, when it leaves your hand, you can feel it. Praise God. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to sow a twenty dollar seed. Okay, if you th- if you if that's where you, I mean twenty dollars, maybe if you're like a homeless person and you found that, okay, that would probably move the Lord. That that reminds me of the time I was homeless. I sowed $4, and out of that came some of the wildest miracles, and it was an incredible testimony, I mean, I mean, just miracles came out of that that were incredible, but you have to understand, when I gave that, that's all I had, that's all I had, but I, I think most people, if you look and you think, you have to really be honorable in your giving, because God knows, and you can't fool God, and you can't fool yourself, because you have a conscience, and your conscience will speak to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you need God to do a miracle in your life, and some of you also need a miracle of just getting free, and you you wonder, why am I so dry? Why is it that I can't laugh? Why is it that the oil of the Spirit doesn't flow in me, and I can't get into the anointing? Because you won't yield your money to the Lord. Woo! That went right into somebody just like an arrow. I mean, that just went into your heart like an arrow okay that was the arrow of the Lord that just went right in okay so now you have to you and the Holy Spirit have to talk that over (laughs) I think for some of you your prayer times are going to be very interesting after this message today as you and the Holy Spirit have fellowship together and talk about uh, what the Lord would have you do all right so we have heard the word let's just Let's just be sensitive to the Holy Holy Spirit. First of all, let's honor God with our tithe, okay? Because it's the 10% that establishes a platform of financial covenant in which God begins to work with us and help us in our finances. Praise the Lord. And so you want to just show the Lord your love and your honor, your respect for him by supporting his work. Praise God! So bring the tithe into the storehouse. And if the Lord is speaking to you about sowing a miracle seed and doing something specially uh, that really moves you, that moves you. Look, I, and I want to say it again. I have given offerings where me and Kelly, we had, we have left, uh, we have had seed leave our hands, in the sense where we are standing, watching that seed go with no backup and no safety net. So I've seen people give a little bit and they've had massive reserves with enormous safety nets. And they give a little bit thinking, thinking that the angels are going to somehow do cartwheels. And so I'm not bragging on me and Kelly, but I'm saying that if you have not experienced real miracles, then I'm talking about in your finances, then you really need to think about doing something that will really touch the heart of God where you say, Lord, I really want to show to you and demonstrate to you that I'm totally sold out to you. And I'm, I'm going to do something that moves me. Because if it doesn't move me, it won't move you. So I'm going to do something. And remember, when Paul was receiving that offering, pulling that offering together, talking to the church in Corinth, hey, I'm coming to pull an offering together. And he told them, by the way, what you do is proof of your love Well, Pastor Stephen, you know, it doesn't really mean, no, your giving is evidence of whether there's love or not. And if your giving's not there, your heart's not there. Absolutely it's not. doesn't matter how much you sing in the choir. It doesn't matter how many praise songs you sing. If your giving's not in it, your heart is not in it. Don't fool yourself. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Paul said, this is the proof of your love. I'm looking for proof. Not just that, hey, Paul, we love the church in Jerusalem. Uh, you go greet them on our behalf and tell them we love them. No, no. Paul said, your proof will be in the giving. In this offering that I'm receiving, I'm looking for some proof here. And by the way, that the church in Macedonia, they showed some proof. How do they show proof? They gave out of their extreme poverty. So he's saying, "I'm, I'm coming over here. I'm talking to you now in Corinth. You're not broke. I know that you could do something special." Mm, 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 mm. I think the I think the Apostle Paul sometimes, I think the church in Corinth was like, "This guy is just too. He's too straightforward. Too black and white. Too." Too truthful? Mm, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But see, Paul Paul said, you may have 10,000 teachers, but you've only got one father. A father will tell you the truth. A father will actually love you and care about you and say, you know, son or daughter, this is what you really need to do in this situation. Because when you really love somebody, you really want to help them. Praise God. If you're in a place where you really want to see God come through for you, then I would encourage you to sow a seed, even if you have to sow it while you're weeping. If you do that, and remember, there's a continual element to this. Uh, sometimes you can only give weighty seeds here and there, but but I'll I'll tell you, um, you can you can do more probably. Than what you think. I think that's what the Lord would challenge us to do. And this year has been a year where my wife and I have given in ways that, well, you know, we have stepped out of, of, of a former comfort zone and we have given, we have given uh, in incredible ways this year. And we were very, very honored to be able to do that. And remember, it's God who gives seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower. I believe, I believe He will help you. I believe the Holy Spirit will guide you all right let's receive the tithes and if you want to do something sacrificial you want to do something weighty you need a miracle you need a miracle harvest then you need a miracle seed okay if that's you and the arrows of the Lord have touched you today have gone into your heart today then respond to what God is leading you to do he's your safety net praise God Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you today. And you know what? Your harvest will be more than just financial blessing. And you, and you you need that because that brings peace into your life. But the oil of the Spirit will flow. The oil of the Spirit will flow. I would rather have the Holy Spirit and be in the joy of the Lord. I would rather have that and live on sardines and crackers for the rest of my life and drink creek water than be a billionaire and be dry. That's how much I value the Holy Spirit. Once you've had the Holy Spirit and once you have experienced the anointing and once you have been in the glory, you won't trade it for anything. And so you want to stay lubricated. You want to stay in the flow, in the oil of the Spirit. And so in order to do that, there has to be giving. There has to be continual going forth and sowing seed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I see the laughter and the joy coming into your life. Father, bless your people. And Holy Spirit, speak to your people of what they should do. And we just give you praise. And as they bring the tithes and special seed into the storehouse, Father, we just thank you. We just give you praise. Hallelujah. And Father, there could be those that they feel led to sow a seed uh, in a different ministry or a different direction. Father, we thank you. That's totally fine. You are, uh, Father, we thank you that Jesus, he's the head of the church. He directs, he guides, and he, and he leads. But Father, I also thank you for those who feel that of your spirit to sow something special into this ministry so that this ministry will continue to go forth and touch lives around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Father, bless your people as they're bringing the tithes And they are sowing seed now. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, so if you want to mail your gift in, your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. The city is Mooresville, North Carolina, our zip code 28117. If you want to go online and bring your tithes and offerings in there, you can go visit our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings. Sow and reap. And you can go there and bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Woo! Glory. Glory. Mmm, mm, mm. You know, it's an amazing thing when you sow seed and the seed is bitter so you know you're not supposed to eat it because it's not your harvest and you sow it and there can be like a sadness because you're letting it go but at the same time you feel so good you feel like you're engulfed in peace and you lay down knowing wow I did the right thing wow I did the right thing you did do the right thing absolutely Woo! praise the lord My goodness. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to do miracles. See, there has to be a place in our life where we don't just talk about miracles, but we actually have them come forth in our lives. My friends, this is a path into the miracle zone. You can touch it through your prayers and through your giving. Praise the Lord. Through your faith, praise God. So if you're sowing a special seed, i want you to let me know what the name of the seed is you know if you want if you want apple trees you have to sow an apple seed if you want to grow tomatoes you're going to need tomato seeds. So whatever it is that you want a harvest of, I want you to tell me what the seed is that you're, that you're sowing. In other words, if you need a money miracle, say, Pastor Stephen, this seed is for a money miracle. It's a money miracle seed. Okay, so I will pray over every seed. Praise God. And I'll ask the Lord to bless it. Hallelujah. And I believe that he will send the rains of heaven upon your seed and give you an incredible harvest of joy laughter happiness increase abundance anointing ooh, glory hallelujah all the good stuff father we give you praise we give you praise the holy spirit is just he's just hovering holy spirit just hovering he's giving instruction direction right now of what you're supposed to do right now the revelation is coming Just write it out. You may want to write it out so that you know it. Right now, he's showing you exactly what you're supposed to do. Okay? So now just go obey the Lord. And as you send it in, name your seed. Tell me what it is so I can agree with you in faith for a specific harvest. Father, we praise you. Father, God bless every tithe, every seed that comes in. We thank you, O God, that you will prove yourself with mighty miracles And signs and wonders, oh God, that even the unbelievers that know your people will say, truly, you have done great things in their lives. Father, we praise you. We thank you for what the relatives are going to say. They're going to hear about it. Miracles are going to happen. Father, we thank you that although there are many forms of investing in the world, we thank you that you have a means of investing, which is sowing seed, and then you bring harvest. So, Father, we thank you. You bring the harvest into our lives. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, God, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Some of you have been very frustrated and disappointed with your returns of your investments in natural things. You've invested here. You invested there. You tried this. You tried that. And it's all said and done, some of you didn't make any money. Some of you actually lost money on your investments. What if you had sowed a seed instead into the work of the Lord? Now, there is a place for investment. There is a place for savings. But my friends, what if you had sowed a seed? What if the largest thing that you ever invested was not money into an investment or money into savings? What if the largest thing that you ever invested and sowed was into the work of God? Hmm something to ponder something to think about that before you leave this planet that the largest thing that you ever invest and ever sow into is God's work wouldn't that be something praise the Lord praise the Lord hallelujah there's a season right now there is a season a window to respond praise God father we thank you for this we thank you for this praise the Lord Hallelujah. I had another minister friend of mine in a prayer line. People are coming down the prayer line asking for a specific prayer request. A lady comes and stands before him and he says, how may I pray for you? She said, Oh, please pray for me. My business has failed. She was a very famous person and was involved in the, the steel industry and was a millionaire, not a millionaire, not a multimillionaire. She was a billionaire, and the economy changed in that country, and her business just fell apart, and she lost all of her money. Okay, now watch this. Here's the former billionaire. Okay, billion, a billion dollars. Okay, you have to understand the magnitude of this kind of money. Here's a former billionaire, now in the prayer lines, just lost all of her money. She says... She says to the prophet, would you please pray for me and ask God to restore my business and my finances? And if he does it, then I will give him an offering. Did you catch that? If he does it, then I will give him an offering. Guess what? Because she's never done it before. You mean, wh- wh- Hold on a minute. Pastor Stephen, you mean to tell me that this person who was a Christian billionaire never gave an offering to the lord but yet was saved yes yes that, that's exactly what i'm saying oh by, by the way what did my prophet my prophet friend say to this person as he stood there with her having made that request he stood there and said i can't i cannot pray that for you because the holy spirit tells me that you're lying that, he, that if God actually restored and gave your business back to you and gave all of your wealth back to you, you still wouldn't give to him. Woo! And that's a Christian. Mmm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, heart conditions are so different. Heart conditions are so different. When the word falls, when the seed, the seed of the word falls on the soil, there are so many different types of Soil. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, no, no, Pastor Stephen. It doesn't matter uh, where the seed falls, long as the seed falls on the soil, it will produce. No, it won't. You can take your seed, and you can bring your watermelon seeds. Okay, bring them into my office and throw them on my concrete floor. Now, I know there's nice carpet over the floor, but let just throw them on the floor and see if anything happens within the, within the next ten years. They'll just lie there. They won't produce anything. Why? The the soil is too hard. You can't grow in that kind of soil. The soil has everything to do with the nurturing and the growth and the receiving of the seed. And a hard heart. The seed will never grow in a hard heart. Mm. Praise God. So the person went on down the line and left. Praise God. God, God. God's not in the monkey business. God doesn't play around. No. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There will come a day when every knee will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And confess. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to wish they had obeyed the Lord. But you know what? You go through this life, you only have one opportunity to live this life. And I would encourage you to not leave this planet without having sown a seed For a legacy to follow your name. Is fame not a covenant blessing? Did God not tell Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great? Woo! 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 Oh, Pastor Stephen, by the way, how did he come into that? Sowing his seed. Well, Pastor Stephen, I never saw him give an offering. His son. He was willing to sacrifice as a seed his own son he had already figured he had already in his mind figured it out that even if he kills his son with a knife and burns him on the fire and his son Isaac is turned to ashes that God will resurrect his son that's (laughs) that's faith he had already totally predetermined to do that And so, in the eyes of God, in some ways, it was like it was already done. By the way, God the Father did not spare His Son. But God wanted a family. In order for God to have a family, what did God the Father do? He sowed a seed. What was the seed? The Word. Who was the Word? His Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, the son was sacrificed the seed was sacrificed god had one beloved son he sacrificed his son which was the seed and now he's got a family and now we're in that family that all happened because a seed was sown into the earth the seed had to die jesus had to die the seed had to be resurrected, come up out of the earth, come up out of the grave. Now there's harvest <laughs> and millions are getting saved. Oh, glory be to God. By the way, this is his investment system. I would encourage you to get involved in kingdom investing. This by, by the way, this is where I put my money. This is where I sow. when I want to harvest this is where I so I, I I'm aware of many opportunities out there to invest. Okay, I'm not saying that's wrong, but for me and my house, we inv- This is where we invest at. Why? This is where I'm getting the best returns. C- c- come on, the bank, the bank's promising you two percent. You know, you follow the Dow Jones. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, well, let's follow the major indexes. Okay, they're, they're going to return maybe five percent. Woo, big deal. That's, that's real excitement there. But my friends, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is, this is where I'm going. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Glory. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Things to ponder. Things to consider. I'm beginning to see something in the spirit. That's why I'm just just talking a little bit. I'm seeing something. I'm seeing Jehovah Tassaba, the commander of the angelic army. He's already forming and positioning the angels who are already getting ready to respond. Because some of you are di- you're dialed in, you're locked in, you're you're already responding, you're already reacting to this, you're already pulling it together. Some of you have already pulled it together and you're you're walking this out. Praise God. God, the look, the moment the seed leaves your hands, the moment you sow it, and you name your seed, and you sow it, the moment you click send, when you send it on the internet, the moment you drop the envelope into the mail slot at the mailbox, and it leaves your hand, the angels of the Lord will be released in your life, and you will see God prove himself to you. That he is the captain of the host, the Lord of hosts, the commander of all of the armies of heaven. And the angels will go forth, and they will cause a harvest of unusual proportions to come into your life. That's what I'm seeing. They're already beginning to carry the wheat, the harvest, the bundles of harvest, of provision into your life. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And you're going to have dreams about your harvest, And it's going to come quickly. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. That's why you need to name your seed, because your seed identifies your harvest. You sow the apple seed, you know the apple tree is your harvest, okay? And so, sow your seed, name your seed. When it comes in, you'll see your harvest. Glory. Glory to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for shalom, peace, peace. We thank you for peace. All of your ways are peace. Your wisdom is enveloped in peace. We thank you that your peace and your love, it just drives out all fear. We give you praise. We give you praise. Father, I feel in my heart that there have been those who have been challenged to respond deeper to the love of God. People who do love you, but they cling to so many crutches. They cling to so many other supports and they're afraid to let go. Lord, they want to let go, but they're afraid to let go because they are bound by a world system that says, don't give You're you're losing. You're being depleted. Don't, don't give. And they cling, but father, they want to know you. I pray that you help them. I pray that you help them. Lord, it's your, it's your love. It's your kindness. I pray that you help them. Lord it's it's like what I'm seeing that there are some that you don't know how to swim but you want to swim look swimming's fun but you don't know how to swim and you won't jump in but it, the, but the Lord he'll teach you if you just if you just come into the water he'll teach you he'll grab you he won't let you drown if you'll just if you just yield and jump in that the Lord will help you. The angels will be there and you'll be swimming. It's not, it's not hard to learn. You'll learn it very, very quickly. And you, now you'll be able to swim and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. But as long as you stand on the side and don't get in, you're you're never going to know, know this joy. So father, I ask for grace for those that, that they're They're terrified. They're terrified to do it. And I ask you for freedom for them. Freedom freedom, freedom in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. This is why, this is why St. Francis of Assisi, in order to break it, gave everything away. He had to, he had to. It was such a pull on him. This man in the in the twelve hundreds was a totally uh, He was a total party animal, a drunkard, a hedonistic party rich kid that just spent his daddy's money on being lavish and living in Europe and enjoy the wealth and the prosperity and the decadence uh, of Europe at that time. But he just got the disgusted with it you know you eventually get tired of sinning sinners are just like what well, when you've done all you think you can do there's a point you're just like i'm drunk i'm bored with sin and he said god is there is there are, are you real and he cried out to the lord in an encounter with god and god god called him but look the family they tried to hold him down because they wanted the son they wanted francis to carry on the rich family lineage the textile industry that his father had established his father had big plans for him. And this is, this is a young man that wore the wealthiest, the nicest clothes. I mean, he was decked out all the time. And he went to a church building and said, God, I feel like I need to give up everything to break loose from this. What do I need to do? What is my mandate? What is your assignment for my unique ministry? And he went into a church And there was a Bible and he opened the Bible and he said, he said, Lord, by your spirit, let the scriptures open up and let it fall to the place where you want it to fall. And let me put my finger on the verse that will identify my calling and what you want me to do. And he literally opened the Bible, and it fell to the pages, and he put his finger down on the page where the Lord told the rich young ruler to sell and give all to the poor. (laughs) And come follow me. He did it three times, and each scripture was a scripture that basically said, detach from all of it. Now, look, that was a word of wisdom. You cannot take somebody else's word of wisdom and try to make it work for you 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 can't can't do that no more than you can take no more than if you're a leper and you try to take Elisha's word to Naaman the leper and go dip in the Jordan River seven times pastor Stephen I got a skin problem I'm going to go over to that Jordan River and wash seven times well look that was a word of wisdom from Elisha to Naaman you can't you can't take that try to make it your own but there are some Even modern day, there's going to be modern day rich young rulers who do respond to that because it's their only way to break free from the control and the manipulation. Pastor Stephen, I feel like I I, I can't get free. You need to give an offering that will break it. You need to give an offering that breaks the control. This is why Jesus said it is very difficult for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What is that? That's God's way of doing things. Why? It's, it's, it's very, very controlling. How do you get free from that? Sowing seed. Just sow seed. Sow seed. And if you ever feel it's clogging you up and you're getting religious and you're getting stuffy, break it. Break it with a very powerful offering. Uh, break it with an offering that will keep you reliant and dependent on the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. So I'm just talking to some people out there. They can't get free. They want to. There's some, they'll never get free unless they break it with something very, very powerful, a sacrificial offering that just breaks it. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah, Father, we praise you. By the way, Saint Francis of Assisi is one of the most well-known saints. Most Christians can't even name. All 12 apostles, but I guarantee you they can name St. Francis of Assisi, a heavy hitter in the spirit. Within within a few years, he had over 5,000 men and women following his ministry going all throughout Europe preaching the gospel. He had kings leave the kingdom and come and follow after him and give up everything. He had the wealthiest people of Europe, leading figures of royalty, leave their positions and abandon every... I mean, it was a wave. It was on fire. People were like, look, we we are. And that was a time when Europe was in great decadence and and just total self uh, absorption of self. And that was a move of God to get free from that. And it, it was a powerful move of God. He walked in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. He was mightily used of the Lord, and he had all five marks of Jesus Christ—the stigmata in his body—in the last weeks of his life. He had the crown of thorns on his head, the holes in his hands, the holes in the side, and the whole marks in the feet even appeared on him—a very, very holy sign and wonder, glory. But he carried the marks inwardly, but at The latter part of his life, they manifested outwardly. So this guy was a very great man of God. Praise God. There's something coming. There's something coming. There's something coming because you could have money. God doesn't care if you have money as long as it doesn't have you. I'm telling you, the Lord's a jealous God. And he doesn't want any other gods before him, whether it's mammon or sports or or entertainment, or whatever it is. He doesn't want any other gods before him. Hallelujah. A lot of what I'm talking today, um, I've, I've had no notes for. I've just, I jotted a few things down, but really this whole message, I'm just talking out of my spirit. I'm just kind of going all by the Holy Spirit, kind of bouncing around as we're flowing along with the Holy Spirit. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this mighty angel army that will be released upon the response and the obedience of your people hallelujah we thank you we thank you for the integrity of the seed we thank you for the weightiness of the seed in proportion not to the numerical value but in proportion to what they have father we give you praise that is beautiful that is beautiful and holy and sacred in your sight we bless you We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you for my online church members, those that are tithers, those that are ministry partners that give a monthly donation to the ministry. Father, I thank you that you have blessed this ministry with some wonderful, some of the most wonderful supporters. And I thank you for the online church members and supporters. They're all so wonderful. Father, bless them. Bless every single one of them. As over the years, there are quite a few that have sown seeds in tears. Lord, let their harvest exceed every expectation that they have in their heart. Let it exceed their most extended expectations. I thank you. And I thank you for revival glory in their homes. I thank you for every family member, even to their cousins being saved. Every family member, grandparents, parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and to first cousins, every person within that sphere of that person's life being saved and making heaven because of this person's giving legacy now father we thank you we praise you we glorify you and we thank you for the beauty and the holiness of your word we intend to follow it by your grace we jump in and swim and enjoy all that you have for us we thank you for your freedom we give you glory in jesus name amen let's take communion let's take communion hallelujah grab some unleavened bread and grab some grape juice. Father, we consecrate it. We bless it. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing and I'm smelling the beautiful white lilies of the Lord. Hallelujah. The lilies also speak of the resurrection power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, as we receive the flesh of our Savior, we thank you that we can identify with his sufferings, not certain sufferings that you have redeemed us from, but other forms of suffering that he went through that would be the difficulties of life, living the crucified life, not just on the cross, but the daily walk of being crucified. And what that entails, the crucified life, even in our finances, which is what we have discussed. Father, we thank you for the power of the cross in our life. Father, we embrace the cross. We thank you for it because it's through Christ's death and our identity with his death that we experience his life. Father, we receive now the flesh of our Savior. In Jesus' name, let's take together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Glory. The blood of our Savior shed for us. That is so... Efficus. so powerful that it not only forgives our sins, but causes you to not even be able to remember what they were for. You said in your word, their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. So father, we can come into your presence happy because of the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus in our lives. Father cleanse us of all sin, washes clean and pure. Anything, Father God, that would be a, a stain in the conscience of your people. let it be, let it be confessed and washed now. With the blood of Jesus, wash it away, wipe it all away, O God. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. It's gone. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, glory. Father, we cling to the rugged cross. Father, we choose to embrace that lowly rugged cross. The thing that the world says is so foolish, we say it's our victory. The thing that the world would say is so ugly, it's so brutal, we say it's where we found life at. Father, we thank you for Jesus and his beauty. Let the cross always be in us every day. We receive now his precious shed blood. We drink it now in his name. Amen. Let's receive. God is very much willing and desirous to bless you with wealth. He'll take you anywhere you want to go. Much of where you want to go depends on your desire and what it is that you would like. He'll take you there. He doesn't mind if you have wealth as long as that wealth doesn't control you. If you ever let it become your God, if you ever let it start to lift you up in pride, you need to come to Calvary as quick as you can. You need to refine and rediscover the place of the cross. praise God what is that place of the cross it's a place where you are yielded and you are willing to do anything and everything that he would ask you to do no matter how foolish it may require you to look in the eyes of the intellectuals no matter how humbling it may appear to be never forget that's where the real life is at if you're willing to do that, God will do incredible things for you. I ministered once with a man overseas that has a very unusual ministry. And when I look, when I say unusual, <laughs> I've seen some seriously unusual ministries that are so unique. They're so beautiful because the body is just so different. If the eye were, if the whole body were an eye, it, w- it wouldn't work but i saw this minister with a very unique ministry of ministering in the new wine of the spirit the joy of the lord and i talked to him later and i said uh i said when you when you minister the glory begins to open up and i said me and another conference minister who was the host we were watching you and I was watching you, and I saw a whirlwind begin to swirl around you. I didn't say anything, and the minister next to me said, "said he said, Brother Stephen, do you see the whirlwind beginning to swirl around him? I said, I absolutely see it. It's like ribbons of color beginning to swirl around, and the minister said next to me, he "says he's opening up the glory realm, and I said, he is. I can see it opening up, and so I talked to that, that prophet that ministered in the anointing, And I said, what is your secret of getting into the glory like that where you're in it and you make it available for others to come into it? He said, Stephen, he said, I had an encounter with the Lord a few years back. And the Lord said, for you to come into this glory and for you to flow in this anointing, you must be willing to lose all self-respect. You must be willing to lose all dignity and you must be willing to lose all care about what others might think about you or how they might react to what I would have you do. And he is so funny to watch. And if and if you look at it with a carnal mind, you think this guy is really silly. But if, you're, if you just a little bit start leaning into with the spirit and you're watching, you're like, oh, my Lord, he's moving in the spirit and he's beginning to pull others into it. It's incredible. And I'm talking about opening up the glory realm where waves of glory begin to come out and they start going over you and people get free. I'm talking people getting free from evil spirits, people getting free from suicidal thoughts and depression and they leave just like oh, like you came out of heaven. It's incredible. And his whole key was staying at the cross and not being moved by oh, oh, that doesn't look cool. Oh, you know, that that that's not acceptable. That's that you know, that this is like no, no, no. No. He said, "He said the Lord said, if you're going to move with me in this, you must be willing to not care what people think. You're going to have to find the cross because you're going to have to just release and let go and flow of the Spirit. And by the way, this is a very mature man of God in his late 60s who's an apostle, who's operating in this prophetic flow. And so I'm not talking about somebody do, doing fruity, goofy, weird stuff. I'm talking about somebody that's very valid, that's walking... Uh, in an area where Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That's his cross. He has to flow in a joy anointing that he has to be a little bit silly to get into it. And a lot of intellectual stuffy people, they just think this guy's an idiot okay so that's his cross that's his cross by the way if those intellectuals want to come into it guess what their cross is you have to lay down your phd praise god and there's nothing wrong with having a phd but you have to understand also a lot of people allow that to puff them up they get very very prideful and because of that position they're not willing to yield okay so there's everybody's got different hurdles everybody's got different things but I just pray that today will be a day where you can come into a new freedom. You can really be putty in the Lord's hands and the Lord's love can be so in you that you'll do anything he tells you to do anything. Praise God. By the way, you'll find out whenever he leads you and tells you to do something, it's always for your good. He has his eye on you and he loves you. And he's setting everything up to be better than it is to make your life beautiful. Father, bless your people as we go. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I have enjoyed talking with you today. I will see you back next time. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.